Chapter 22 of the Indian Fairy Book. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mike Harris. The Indian Fairy Book by Henry R. Schoolcraft. Chapter 22 Bokwewa the Humpback. Bokwewa and his brother lived in a far-off part of the country. By those who knew them, Bokwewa, the elder, although deformed and feeble of person, was considered a manito who had assumed mortal shape, while his younger brother, Kwasind, manly in appearance, active and strong, partook of the nature of the present race of beings. They lived off the path, in a wild, lonesome place. Far retired from neighbours and undisturbed by cares, they passed their time content and happy, the days glided by as serenely as the river that flowed by their lodge. Owing to his lack of strength, Bokwewa never engaged in the chase, but gave his intention entirely to the affairs of the lodge. In the long winter evenings he passed the time in telling his brother stories of the giants, spirits, windigos, and fairies of the older age, who in those days had the exclusive charge of the world. He also at times taught his brother the manner in which game should be pursued, pointed out to him the ways of the different beasts and birds of the chase, and assigned the seasons at which they could be hunted with most success. For a while the brother was eager to learn, and keenly attended to his duties as the provider of the lodge. But at length he grew weary of their tranquil life, and began to have a desire to show himself amongst men. He became restive in their retirement, and was seized with a longing to visit remote places. One day Kwasin told his brother that he should leave him, that he wished to visit the habitations of men, and to procure a wife. Bokwewa objected, but his brother overruled all that he said, and in spite of every remonstrance, he departed on his travels. He travelled for a long time. At length he fell in with the footsteps of men. They were moving by encampments, for he saw the poles at several spots where they had passed. It was winter, and coming to a place where one of their company had died, he found upon a scaffold, lying at length in the cold blue air, the body of a beautiful young woman. She shall be my wife, exclaimed Quasind. He lifted her up, and bearing her in his arms, he returned to his brother. Brother, he said, cannot you restore her to life? Oh, do me that favour. He looked upon the beautiful maiden with a longing gaze, but she lay as cold and silent as when he had found her upon the scaffold. I will try, said Bukwewa. These words had been scarcely breathed when the young woman rose up, opened her eyes, and looked upon Bukwewa with a smile as if she had known him before. To Kwasin she paid no heed whatever. But presently Bukwewa, seeing how she lingered in her gaze upon himself, said to her, Sister, that is your husband, pointing to Kwasind. She listened to his voice, and crossing the lodge, sat by Kwasind, and they were man and wife. For a long time they all lived contentedly together. Bokwewa was very kind to his brother, and sought to render his days happy. He was ever within the lodge, seeking to have it in readiness against the return of Kwasind from the hunt and by following his directions, which were those of one deeply skilled in the chase, Quisind always succeeded in returning with a good store of meat 
but the charge of the two brothers was greatly lightened by the presence of the spirit wife for without labour of the hand she ordered the lodge and as she willed everything took its place and was at once in proper array the wish of her heart seemed to control whatever she looked upon and all obeyed her desire but to the surprise of her husband she never partook of food or shared in any way the longings and appetites of a mortal creature she was never seen arranging her hair like other women nor did she work upon her garments and yet they were ever seemly and without blemish or disorder behold her at any hour she was ever beautiful and she seemed to need no ornament or nourishment or other aid to give grace or strength to her looks quisind when the first wonder of her ways had passed paid little heed to her discourse he was engrossed with the hunt and chose to be abroad pursuing the wild game or when in the lodge enjoying its savoury spoil rather than the society of his spirit wife but Bakwiwa watched closely every word that fell from her lips and often in conferring with her forgot all mortal appetite and care of the body noting what she had to say of spirits and fairies of stars and streams that never cease to flow the delight of the happy hunting grounds and the groves of the blessed one day Quasind had gone out as usual and Bakwiwa was sitting in the lodge on the opposite side to his brother's wife when a tall youth entered his face was like the sun in its brightness and he stood straight as a cedar tree taking her by the hand he led her to the door the woman made no resistance but turned as she left the lodge and cast upon Bakwiwa a smile of kind regard then saying i must leave you she was at once gone from his view with her companion he ran to the door and looking far off in the sky thought he could discover at a great distance a shining track and the dim figures of two who were vanishing into the clouds when his brother returned bokwiwa related all to him exactly as it had happened the face of kwasin changed and was dark as the night for several days he would not taste food sometimes he would fall to weeping for a long time and now for the first time seemed to realize how gentle and beautiful had been the ways of her who was lost at last he said that he would go in search of her bokwiwa tried to dissuade him from it but he would not be turned aside from his purpose since you are resolved said bokwiwa listen to my advice you will have to go south it is a long distance to the present abiding place of your wife and there are so many charms and temptations by the way that i fear you will be led astray and forget your errand the people whom you will see in the country through which you have to pass do nothing but amuse themselves they are very idle gay and effeminate and i fear that they will lead you astray your path is beset with dangers i will mention two things which you must be especially on your guard against in the course of your journey you will come to a large grapevine lying across your path you must not even taste its fruit for it is poisonous step over it it is a snake you will next come to something that looks like bear's fat of which you are so fond touch it not or you will be overcome by the soft habits of the idle people it is frog's eggs these are snares laid by the way for you Quisind promised that he would observe the advice, and bidding his brother farewell, he set out. After travelling a long time, he came to the enchanted grapevine. It looked so tempting, with its swelling purple clusters, that he forgot his brother's warning and tried the fruit. Then he went on till he came to the frog's eggs. They so much resembled delicious bear's fat, 
that Quasin tasted them. He still went on. At length he came to a wide plain. As he emerged from the forest, the sun was falling in the west, and cast its scarlet and golden shades far over the country. The air was perfectly calm, and the whole prospect had the air of an enchanted land. Fruits and flowers and delicate blossoms lured the eye and delighted the senses. At a distance he beheld a large village swarming with people, and as he drew near he discovered women beating corn in silver mortars. When they saw Quasind approaching, they cried out, Bokwiba's brother has come to see us. Throngs of men and women in bright apparel hurried out to meet him. Having already yielded to temptation by the way, he was soon overcome by their fair looks and soft speeches, and it was not long afterward that he was seen beating corn with the women, having entirely abandoned all further quest for his lost wife. Meantime, Bokwiwa, alone in the lodge, waited patiently his brother's return. After the lapse of several years, he set out in search of him, and he arrived in safety among the soft and idle people of the south. He had met the same allurements by the way, and the people gathered around him on his coming, just as they had gathered around his brother Quasind. But Bokwiwa was proof against their flattery. He only grieved in his heart that any should yield. He shed tears of pity to see that his brother had laid aside the arms of a hunter, and that he was beating corn with the women, indifferent to the fate and fortune of his lost wife. Bokwiwa ascertained that she had passed on to a country beyond. After deliberating for a time, and spending several days in a severe fast, he set out in the direction in which she had gone. It was far off, but Bokwiwa had a stout heart, and strong in the faith that he was now on the broad path towards the happy land, he pressed forward. For many days he travelled without encountering anything unusual. Then plains of vast extent, rich in waving grass, began to pass before his eyes. He saw many beautiful groves, and heard the songs of countless birds. At length he began to fail in strength for lack of food, when he suddenly reached a high ground. From this he caught the first glimpse of the other land, but it appeared to be still far off, and all the country between, partly veiled in silvery mists, glittered with lakes and streams of water. As he pressed on, Bokwiwa came in sight of innumerable herds of stately deer, moose, and other animals which walked near his path, and they appeared to have no fear of man. And now again, as he wound about in his course, and faced the north once more, he beheld coming towards him an immense number of men, women, and children, pressing forward in the direction of the shining land. In this vast throng, Bokwiwa beheld persons of every age, from the little infant, the sweet and lovely Penasee, or younger son, to the feeble, grey old man, stooping under the burden of his years. All whom Bokwiwa met, of every name and degree, were heavily laden, with pipes, weapons, bows, arrows, kettles, and other wares and implements. One man stopped him and complained of the weary load he was carrying. Another offered him a kettle another his bow and arrows, but he declined all, and free of foot, hastened on. And now he met women who were carrying their basket work and painted paddles, and little boys with their embellished war clumps and bows and arrows, the gifts of their friends. With this mighty throng, Bokwiwa was borne along for two days and nights, when he arrived at a country so still and shining, and so beautiful in its woods and groves and plains, that he knew it was here that he should find the lost spirit wife. 
he had scarcely entered this fair country, with a sense of home and the return to things familiar strong upon him, when there appeared before him the lost spirit-wife herself, who, taking him by the hand, gave him welcome, saying, My brother, I'm glad to see you. Welcome, welcome. You are now in your native land. Here you shall dwell in peace and plenty all your days. Then Bokwewa, finding himself no longer misshapen and awkward, but strong and straight, followed her into the lodge. End of chapter 22 Bokwewa the Humpback <laughs>